the most visually appealing scriptures in all of the Bible and brought to life for us this morning in that clip. Ezekiel, who was called Son of Man by God, was led out by the Spirit to walk through a valley of dry bones, to speak the word of the Lord to them and to witness their resurrection in the Spirit. More than 600 years later, the Son of Man would walk among a vast metaphorical valley of dry bones. He was the Word. And he defeated death and he breathed new life by the Spirit into those dry bones. His name was Jesus. His tomb is empty today. And because it is, all of us who were once dry bones, we are dry bones no more. Now, it is a very giant leap to do what I have just done and to take a passage relating details from the 6th century BC and apply it to us here in the 21st century. And giant leaps, as most of you are probably aware, as children at some stage you have probably tried to leap across a creek or a river, giant leaps are fraught with danger. And giant leaps often result in you getting your feet wet. Stepping stones, if you can find them, are a much, much safer option. And so as we work our way through this passage this morning, we're going to look out for the stepping stones and see if they can help us close the gap between 6th century BC and 21st century AD. So we'll begin in the context in which this passage was written, within the 6th century BC. The northern kingdom of Israel had long since fallen to the Assyrians and the southern kingdom of Judah has been subdued by the invading Babylonian forces. 10,000 Jews have been marched off to exile in Babylon and among them was a trainee priest by the name of Ezekiel. Under normal circumstances, approaching 30 as he was, he would expect to be entering the priesthood. But instead, he finds himself here among the exiles by the Kibar River, and it was here that he would receive his commission to be prophet to them. They were a broken-hearted people. And we get a feel for their distress in the Psalm of Lament, Psalm 137. Most of you will probably know it. If not because you know the Psalm, you will know it because it was popularised by Boney M in their song. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. And they said, sing us the songs of Babylon, of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we are in a foreign land? 
and their great distress becomes absolute hopelessness when the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple within it reaches them, the news of, of all that had happened there. And it is in this context that Ezekiel finds himself transported in a vision to this valley full of bones where he is led back and forth by the Lord among them. <clears throat> there were a great many bones and they were very, very dry. These were not the bones of a recently dead people. They were bones that had been exposed to the elements for quite a long time. And they had laid unburied in that valley for quite a long time. Can you imagine Ezekiel's horror? Here he is, a trainee priest, who would not have been allowed to have come in contact with a dead body, lest he be defiled. And yet here he was, wading back and forth through this valley of dry bones. Not only that, but clearly whoever these people were, he would have reasoned they must have died under a curse because their bodies had remained unburied. They had been exposed to the ravages of wild animals and birds and the sun and all of the elements and therefore they must have been under a curse. Exactly such a curse had been prescribed for Israel under the covenant curses for disobedience. Deuteronomy 28, 25 to 26. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but you will flee from them in seven. And you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Those were the covenant curses prescribed for disobedience for Israel. And so it would have been natural to reason that these people who had died were under a curse. Divine judgment must have befallen them. And so after completing his grisly tour of the valley, the Lord has a question for Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? And the answer is surely obvious. These are the deadest, driest bones ever seen. Of course, these bones cannot live. In Hebrew, the question is even posed in such a way that the only possible answer to it is in the negative. No, of course these bones cannot live. Ezekiel, of course, would have known of those rare occasions when the dead had been brought back to life. The prophets Elijah and Elisha both had had roles to play in such miracles. But in both of these cases, the corpse was only recently dead. And so resuscitation rather than resurrection might be a more appropriate term. But the corpses surrounding Ezekiel were long since gone. In fact, they couldn't even rightly be described as corpses. They were only dry bones. 
and they were dry bones that were now well beyond life. For all intents and purposes, they appeared to be a hopeless case. Yet in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, Ezekiel is unable to state the obvious answer. He's not able to say no. And yet he's also not able to say yes. Yes, new life is possible. So he defers the question back to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, he says, you, you alone know. Now, if he thought that question even just a little bit strange, what comes next? He must have thought ridiculous. For Ezekiel is commanded to begin prophesying to these dry bones. And he's commanded to speak the word of the Lord to them. And at this point, you've got to feel for Ezekiel. His preaching assignments are tough. When he gets to preach to real live people, he's warned in advance that they will be obstinate and stubborn and stiff-faced and hard-hearted. That's his real life audience. But a lot of the time, the audience at his preaching gigs, they're not even people. Ezekiel is called to preach to the mountains and he's called to preach to the forest. And now here he's called to preach to dry bones. And he's called to promise them breath and life. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter into you. You will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. That's all he says. There's nothing more and there's nothing less. There is no song and dance. There's no beating the ground with a stick. There's no chanting. There's no magic tricks. There's no laying on of hands. <coughs> he just does as he's commanded and speaks the word of the Lord to these dry bones. And then there's a rattling sound. And the vast wasteland of dry bones begin to move. Bones come together, bone to bone. Tendons and flesh appear on them, skin covers them. But there was no breath in these bones. They were no longer just dry bones, but neither were they alive. Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy again. And this time it's to the breath. Ruhah in Hebrew. The word translated here as breath dominates this passage, but we miss that sense of domination because in English, three different words are used to translate that same one Hebrew word. In verses 1 and 14, which bracket this whole passage, the word is translated to mean spirit, the spirit of the Lord. In verses 5, 6, 8, and 10, Ruha means literally breath. In verse 9, one of the users is simply wind, the wind as we know it that blows around. 
But there is also one ambiguous use in verse 9. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. That O breath in the middle of that one verse, come from the four winds, O breath, seems to be referring to the Spirit of God, which miraculously breathes new life into these corpses, which rise up on their feet as a vast army. Now, the meaning of these verses is explained for us in verses 11 to 14. We don't have to guess what these verses mean. The dry bones represent Israel, cut off from the promised land and living in exile. Their city, Jerusalem, lay in ruins. The temple had been destroyed. And the utter despair that the Israelites felt over this situation is expressed in their own description of themselves. We see it in verse 11. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. For these people, being cut off from the promised land was tantamount to death. The land of their exile was their grave. They were the living dead. And into this hopeless situation, God speaks his message of hope, saying, I am going to open up your graves and I'm going to bring you out from them and I will bring you back to the land of Israel and then you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And there's something very interesting about this passage that strikes us right from the beginning. And it is this two-step process. Why the double act? Why not just bring them back to life? Instead, there are two prophecies. The first one, in which the bones become lifeless bodies, and the second, in which breath enters them and they arise. Why this double act? act. Well, this two-step life-giving process, I'm sure, will ring some bells for many of you, because God has used it before. Way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed the first man, Adam, from the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And here in Ezekiel, the same pattern is being followed again. Forming and then breathing, leaving no doubt about who it is that's going to do this restoring work for Judah. This is to be God's work and their restoration will be an act of re-creation. Fifty years later, the graves of their exile were opened and the first of them returned to Jerusalem. Then a second and third group followed after them. They rebuilt the city. They worked their farms. They restored the temple. They married and they had children. 
these driest of dry bones were restored to life and all of this happened not through any effort on their part but through the grace and mercy of God using his unmistakable two-step mark of recreation, life and breath by the Spirit and through his word. Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And we see right from the beginning that Spirit of God involved in that first act of creation. How did it come about? Genesis 1:26. Through the word of God, God spoke. He said, "Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness." And so we see both the spirit and the word of God involved in that first act of creation by the spirit through his word. And that same two-step formula applies here in Ezekiel. The prophet is commanded to speak the word of the Lord and the spirit blows in, breathing new life into dry bones. Step forward nearly 600 years and the same formula still applies. Life and breath by the spirit through his word. God's word has much to say about the resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah, for one, says that the suffering servant will see his offspring. He'll see the light of life. He'll be satisfied. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. None of these would be possible without the resurrection. Jesus, the word of God himself said, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. And so we see again it is by the Spirit and through the Word of God. This same Spirit who breathes spiritual life into us for the here and now will rise all of God's people to eternal life on that last day. Life and breath, breath and life. Paul writes in Romans 8:11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. On the evening of the resurrection, John tells us in his gospel that the disciples were together in a locked room because they feared the Jews. That's John 20, 19. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like for them? And I think we saw a little bit of it in that clip that was played earlier with the, the mobile phones. 
as the news came through on that clip, some of them cheered, some of them cried, some of them danced with joy and celebrated, and some of them were just speechless. And I imagine that all of those reactions, and probably more, were present in that locked room among the disciples. Jesus went on to show them his hands and his side, and John records for us in his gospel simply, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then, do you know what Jesus did? He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Life and breath by the Spirit coming through the Word of God. That's the formula. That's how God does his mighty work of renewing and restoring his people to himself. He used it in creating us. He used it in the restoration of Israel. And he's been using it ever since to restore and renew a fallen people unto himself. The word of God is shared or spoken or discussed or it might even be read in private or it's preached. The Holy Spirit softens hearts to accept the word. Faith takes hold and new life by the Spirit is breathed into dry, dry bones. Today is Easter Sunday. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It was and it still is the greatest miracle of all time. It was and it still is the most important day in all of history. Nothing has and nothing ever will eclipse it. It is the single most influential event in the history of the world. Today, in this church, we celebrate its life-giving legacy in the lives of those who we saw baptised this morning. We've heard their testimonies and we've witnessed that transformation that has occurred in them over the last couple of years. It has occurred by the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. If we take anything from the message of Ezekiel today, it is that no one is too far gone for the restoring work of the Word and the Spirit of God. Israel were far gone. They are depicted in this vision as the driest of dry bones. For all earthly intents and purposes, there was no hope for any life in them but they weren't too far gone for God. And praise God, neither are any of us. There is no one inside these four walls and there is no one outside of these four walls who is too far gone for God. By his spirit and through his word, new life is not only possible, but it is promised. And so if the circumstances of life cause you to echo the cry of the Israelites, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone and we are cut off, then let today be the day that you hear the word of the Lord. 
speak to someone here today. Go home, read the word of God. Read your Bible. If you haven't got one, ask for the one. Someone here will, will give you one. And allow the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into your dried up bones. And if perhaps you stand like Ezekiel among your family or in your circle of friends or in your work situation or perhaps even in your classroom and all you can think of is they're too far gone, then remember Ezekiel's question. Son of man, can these bones live? And remember his response. O sovereign Lord, you, you alone know. And then he allowed himself to be used by the Lord to bring the word of God to them and to summon the Holy Spirit to act in their lives. And we can do that too. Can addicts trapped in addiction be restored? Can loveless marriages broke... uh, Rocked by broken promises, be revived? Can the hardest of hearts be softened? Can those who have wandered far from God be brought near again? Can churches that are reeling from the effects of false teaching or scandal or unbelief or that are strangled by tradition or rampant worldliness, can they be resurrected? Ezekiel tells us that they can, and he shows us how, by God's spirit and through his word. It is never too late, and the bones can never be too dry. Amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of new life, new life that we have seen this morning as parents have brought their children and committed themselves to raising them to know you. New life in the resurrected Jesus. New life breathed into dry bones by your spirit and through your word. New life that has transformed those who were baptised here today as your word and your spirit have enlivened their dry bones. New life that is available to each one who puts their faith in you. Thank you, Lord, that your tomb is empty and our Saviour is risen and therefore new life can be ours through Christ Jesus. Amen.